If you have your Bibles, I want us to go to the book of Acts, chapter number 17, and verse number 16. And when you got it, Brother Buddha, I'd like you to say, yeah. When you have it, say, yeah. I'll give you time, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm very kind and patient. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 16. When you have it, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't hear people in the back. Yeah, yeah, in the back? Mm, okay. Verse 16. I'm actually reading from a different version of what I'm going to be preaching from because the version I want to preach from is not in my Bible app. So I have to read a different version than what I'm actually going to preach from. I'm reading from the ESV, but I'm going to preach from the New King James Version. Whatever version is the Word of God, I'll work with it. Verse 16 says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. What are you doing while you're waiting? So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, because that was strategy for Paul, first to the Jews, and devout persons, and watch this, in the marketplace every day who happened to be there. Anybody who happened to be there, Paul spoke to them. He was a, an equal opportunity witness, sir. That was Paul. Verse 18. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? He's out of his mind. And others said, he seems to be a preacher of a foreign disease. Because, watch this, he was preaching, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Aeropagus saying, may we know what your teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, cast this part. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners, that, that's me, Bullet. <laughs> this would be like now all the Indonesians and the Zimbabweans, Pastor Sam and myself. Watch this. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing else except telling or hearing something new. And somebody's right there today. All you love to do is to hear it, but never do nothing about it. Verse 22, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Oropagus, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Tell your neighbor the unknown God. That is what I'm going to preach to you this morning. Let us pray. Mighty God, this is your moment. 
And may you do with it how you please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sometimes we must be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And somebody here understands what I mean because you have been dealing with the pain in your body and all the doctors tell you is manage it. You're going to live with this condition for the rest of your life. Sometimes we must be uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable. Somebody understands that you've been trying to get your child to act right, send him to the best schools, provided him the best opportunities, but any suggestion you make, they do not listen to it, and they argue with it, and it's uncomfortable for you as a parent, but you love your child, therefore you're not going to kick them out, you continue to love them, but it's uncomfortable. An athlete or somebody who is sporty knows what a I mean by living with the uncomfortable because every time you go out and exercise, you, you feel a pain in your body and you've gone to the physiotherapist and you've seen the, the experts and, and all they tell you is that we, we really don't know what is happening to you and therefore you must content yourself with the uncomfortable. Since 2015, I have been living with the uncomfortable Sometimes you may not know it. In all my posting about running, this pain on my ass sometimes swells up and I have a hard time to walk. In fact, that's why I've been running as much because I've realized that this ankle pain is not going to go away. And therefore, since 2015, and it is now almost eight years, I've been living with this uncomfortable pain. Somebody understands the pain of living with the uncomfortable. And you've been in it for too long now. And it ain't going away. You pray about it. It ain't going away. You've asked for advice. It ain't going away. It's there. When you wake up, you face it. When you go to sleep, you face it. When you look at your phone, you face it. I would like to suggest to you, though, that many of us have become uncomfortable or we live with the discomfort of the unknown God. Yeah, yeah, you, you come to worship. You know your songs. Uh, you know the songs. Uh, you know the Bible verses, but <laughs> you really don't know God. When you read the scriptures about a Moses, about an Abraham, about, about a Jesus, and you see that they have such a, a, a strong, a deep connection with God, for you, you don't understand that. For you, your faith is, is really something that has been handed down to you 
from your parents, handed down to you from your family. It's not really your own thing. And so you know you don't know God that well. And it makes you uncomfortable. But you've decided to live with the idea of the unknown God. Today I want you to not be comfortable with that. Because listen, if you're going to go deeper with God, you have got to know God better. Faith cannot just be ritual. Faith cannot just be, I came to worship. Faith cannot just be, I heard the power, our sermon, I was inspired, and it ends there. There's got to be something deeper than doing the rituals of religion. Amen, somebody? Mm-hmm. The city of Athens was the university capital of the Roman Empire. According to experts, uh, those who lived in Athens could have actually graduated schools like Harvard and MIT and Cambridge. They, they were intellectuals. One of the things that I love about intellectual people, Brother Jeff, is that intellectual people, they value reason over tradition. One of the reasons why some of you like to come to JCC is because it is not a traditional church. You like the style of music. You like the style of preaching. I would like you to pat yourself on the back because that means you are an intellectual. <laughs> Amen? It means that you're willing to reason out. You, it means that you're willing to, to go beyond the strictures of, of, of normal worship and, and you understand that can, can, can be hymno and it can also, it can also be uh, uh, contemporary music and worship is, is, is unique. And so I want you to pat yourself on the back because you're willing to open your, your mind. Those were the Athenians. They were not afraid to get away from tradition. They were not afraid to do something unique. Uh, but the problem with intellectuals is that they can be so woke, woke, that they accept any walk of life. And so in the city of Athens, they loved to worship idols. Intellectual people, those who were in school, loved to worship idols. And when Paul saw that the city of Athens was uh, worshiping idols, the, the Bible says that Paul, Paul was provoked. He was provoked in his spirit because he saw that the city of Athens was given over to idols. Now, perhaps when I mention idols, you start to think of Indonesian idol. <laughs> Any of you watch that? Uh huh. You know what is interesting about Indonesian idol is that a, a select group of singers uh, they compete with one another, and and people like you will watch the show and will decide the best singer and because of popularity uh, the singer becomes an idol <laughs> at least brother Nick the idols of, of, of Indonesia on Indonesian idol they sing and they can entertain you and they can make you they can make you cry but the idols of Athens could not talk they could not speak 
They could not smile. They could not reason. And Paul is appalled. Paul is provoked. Paul is troubled. How can intellectual people bow down to idols who can't pray, who can't listen to their prayers, who cannot heal their cancer, who cannot fix their broken marriage? How are they giving themselves over to idols that can do nothing for them? Paul was provoked. And just in case you think Paul would have been provoked about the Athenians, I believe that Paul would have also been provoked by us. Hmm. When Chelsea loses a game, any Chelsea worshiper? Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, when, when the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> when they lose a the game, I cannot worship properly. Elder Ray knows this. Two Sabbaths ago, he told me the Golden State Warriors. I was trying to fix myself, talk about worship, and Pastor Sam is preaching, but my mind is on the Golden State Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors don't know me. They don't pay me. But when they lose the game, I, I am troubled. But when I miss praying in the morning, I'm not as troubled. Oh yeah, you will go one and stand up in line to watch the fast 10 but you will drag your feet to church you will not come here for truth Dakota because somehow elder elder Revo, the power hour is the only is the only most important thing you got no time uh, to, 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 to come to, to, to prayer box and, and prayer meeting. But you have time to go to Dior. And when, you're, when, you're, when your purchase, it doesn't reflect in your email, you're upset. Now, I want you to come back next Sabbath, so let me not make you uh, more uncomfortable. But I want to ask you a question, Dr. Regina. What provokes you? What gets your skin? Paul was provoked because he saw that this nation, this city, intellectual city is given over to idols. And he was disturbed by that. Now, now I know when you see traffic. As a Sam, three, four days ago. Matter guy, can I ask you? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I have him, y'all. Because, and I understand him. Because where I come from. We don't have many motorcycles. You know, in Indo, motorcycles don't stop for you. You can be turning and entering the street. The motorcycle is going to go around you. And you're like, can I please get in the street? And I was with the man of God Wednesday to go meet Brother Zutarsa. And he got upset, Brother Zutarsa. I had to pray for him. We are provoked by stuff like that. When the Wi-Fi is provoked... When the, the, the movie that you wanted to catch is, is, is fully booked. <laughs> On Friday night, you get provoked. And we are often provoked. Selfishly. Because we're not getting what we want. We're not getting what we like. Paul was provoked because he saw that the city was given over to idols. Paul could have been like, you know what? I don't care. That's the Athenians. That's their business. It's not my, my, my situation. Let my business anyway I'm here waiting for Timothy and Silas hey let me just chill but Paul says no he says no this city is given over idols they don't understand that there is a CEO of the universe 
whom if they can believe in and give their love over to him, they're going to spread the whole world and more. And therefore, I will not sit on the sidelines while they are doing idols. <laughs> we'll do something about it. So next time you're provoked, ask yourself the question, for whose benefit? Why are you upset you didn't get the promotion? Why are you upset she dumped you or he ghosted you? Paul was provoked because he understood Christianity is an all humanity kind of religion. It's a religion that cares for the Buddhist, for the Muslim. It's a religion that cares for the mentalist, the one who is willing to bomb people. The Christianity cares for that particular person. And anybody who is a Christian will not just sit on the sidelines. Perhaps it's because we're not provoked. That is why we're going to death harder. Perhaps it's because we're not provoked enough. That is why we're not leading more people to Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Burson, for being provoked. He was provoked this morning and he moved. He brought the mic. What have you done for Jesus? What has moved you to say, you know what? I'm going to do something for the gospel. I, I, not the pastor, not the ministry, not the leaders of the church, me. I'm going to do something for Jesus because I want to see somebody benefit. So Paul, was provoked to action. The text says, Paul, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the worshipers and in the marketplace and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Paul went to the Agora. Everybody say Agora. Mm. You guys seem like you want to go to sleep. Agora. The Agora was the marketplace. Every city had the Agora. It was, an, it was an open place where people went to discuss and share views. And while Paul is in the Agora, he, he, meets, he meets Epicureans and Stoics. Now, so you can just remember what I'm saying. Uh, whether you live in North Jakarta, whether you live in South Jakarta, whether you live in Central Jakarta, uh, there's one thing you expect to be there, that is a mall. <laughs> I mean, Indonesia, I mean, Jakarta has the most malls of any city in the world. <laughs> so I know that you understand mauling and you expect there to be malls. I was talking with a man of God on, on Wednesday. I said, you know what? I don't really understand how to navigate myself in Plaza Sinayan because where I live, there is Caucasus and Kunshit. So that's what I, 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 I limit myself to. So in every Jew, Greek city, you expected to find an Agora, the marketplace. And while Paul is in the Agora, he meets Epicureans and Stoics. The Epicureans believed that life was all about happiness. <laughs> They would have loved YOLO. You only live once. The Stoics were about self-discipline and controlling themselves. 
And so when they heard Paul speaking and talking in the Agora, they said, what does this babbler want to say? What is he talking about? I want you to understand, and let me come for somebody, that what makes sense to you may not always make sense to somebody else. And the temptation you will have is that you may want to quit. But I want to encourage somebody, if it makes sense to you, if you have studied it out, you have done the research, you have invested, I would like you to keep going. Amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? Do not allow discouragement to bring you down and, and to stop you from your plans and your vision. If you must stand, stand alone, please stand alone. And Paul says, you know what? These guys don't understand about my Jesus. But I'm not going to let them stop me preaching about my Jesus. I'm not going to let them stop me telling people that he can save them and change their life. So, the Epicureans were were interested. So they took Paul, Sister Daisy, from the Agora, and they brought him to the Aeropagus. That's what you see on the screen. The Aeropagus was, uh, Sister Revy, a, a hill. Aeropagus, Eris, Eris, the god of war, Pagus, hill. So it was the hill of, of Eris. Eris was the Greek god of war. And tradition says that uh, uh, Eris killed Poseidon's son and he was tried at the, the Aeropagus and he was sentenced to death. The great philosopher Socrates came to Athens at the age of 79 and for presenting some interesting views, they took him to the Aeropagus and he was killed at the Aeropagus. And now Paul is taken to the Opagus. Can you imagine the situation? That Paul is probably going to face death <laughs> if they do not like what he is talking uh, about. But I need you to see something that uh, the, 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 the Opagus is, is, is right there. But just when you look up above a little bit, a little bit higher, you saw the Acropolis. The Acropolis, Dr. Audrey, was the the main part of the city, and they, they, had, they had altars of Zeus and Athena. So it was the most important part of the city, Brother Ernest. So check the geography, and you need to really, really see it. The Agora is the lowest place. And when you stand at the Ropagus, you can see the Agora. But when you look over, you can see the Acropolis. And so Paul was taken to the Ropagus. In the Agora, that was a place for common conversation and discussions. But if you wanted to have specialized conversations, you went to the Aeropagus with the scholars. But you could not go as high as the Acropolis because the Acropolis was a place of the gods. And so the people in Athens never saw themselves higher than the gods. But they saw themselves as intermediaries between the people in the Agora and the gods. Are you following what I'm saying? They saw themselves as connectors. But Paul says that the Athenians, they, all they loved to do was to hear something new. They could not do anything about what they heard. So they were false connectors. They could not really connect the people and the gods. But there is somebody 
who truly can connect you to God. And his name is Jesus. He became a human being. Therefore, he understands what human beings go through. But he's also God. Therefore, he understands what God thinks like. When you give your life over to Jesus, he will connect you between what is common and what is divine. And I don't know if there's somebody listening to me today who needs Jesus. Who says, I want Jesus. I am not connected. I want to be connected. The world is lying to me. They're telling me that I need money, but money cannot heal my disease. They're telling me that I need influence, but man, when cancer is knocking on my door, my influence can do nothing. The world is telling me I need to get married, but I see so many marriages in trouble. The world is lying to me, and I came to tell you, yes, the world is lying, but Jesus can connect you. He can connect you. Paul stood up in the Areopagus, the place to connect the common people and God. Listen to Paul. Paul says, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found... At the altar, this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim him to you. Sister Stella, the Athenians, they mastered worship, but they failed at knowing God. They mastered Alfred's. Brother Alfred, they mastered ritual, but they failed at a relationship with God. Please lean in for a second. Can you give me your ear for a second? Just, just lean in for a second. I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't get an A in worship while you maintain an F in your knowledge of God. Don't focus on ritual. Why you don't know God? And it is very possible that many of us have an A grade in worship. But we got an F grade in knowing God. I'm not your teacher, so don't worry, I'm not going to fail you. <laughs> and this is what I would like to argue for for the next couple of minutes that I have. That if you are going to know God, your worship got to be AA plus, and your knowledge of God has to be AAAA plus. And you must, if you must trade the two, your knowledge of God has got to go on a higher level. Three things I want you to think about. First of all, how you position God. You see, Paul says, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found that they altered this inscription to their known God. Check this out. Years before, the city of Athens had suffered a plague. So the citizens of Athens had gone to Zeus for help, but Zeus could not help. 
They had gone to Athena for help, but Athena could not help. They had gone to Diocletius, Diocletius could not help. Every Greek god in the city could not help them with their plague. So one Cretan citizen from the island of Crete suggested to the officials of, of Athens, why don't you, why don't you set up an altar to the unknown god so that in case of an emergency, you can turn to the unknown god? Did you catch it? <laughs> you see, they treated God like an emergency exit on an airplane. That is, in case of an emergency, then we are going to have God to back us out. And, and many of us have positioned God like an emergency exit. We want God when the money is tight. We want God when the arguments are too high. We want God when the health is failing. But when everything is good, God is not needed. God is not wanted. Many of us treat God like an emergency exit. But can I tell you, God is not okay being an emergency exit. God wants to be the main exit. God wants to be the most important thing in your life. Yes, he will answer your prayers when you are in trouble. But God wants to talk to you when things are good. But Ernest, how would you feel if Regina only came to you when she needed something or when she's in trouble? At some point you start to say, am I your father or what? But that's how we treat God. And God is, ha is happy to help, Sister Laura, because he's that good. But we are limiting ourselves when he is only an emergency exit. I'm in trouble, Lord. Hey, Lord, please help me. I know I didn't pray. I know, I, I know I've not been serving you, but Lord, you know, please forgive me. He'll answer those prayers. Now, I want you to notice. Paul says, for those passing through and concerned the objects of your worship... I even found at this altar the inscription, the unknown God. Guess where God was? He was placed in the Agora. The lowest place. Where have you placed God at in your life? What is the position of God in your life? The unknown God put in the Agora, just in a corner there. Where is God at in your life? And you know how you know? Who influences your decisions? You want a job, I know. But has God given you an approval on that job? Yeah, it's going to make you more busy. You're not going to have time for your family. But yeah, mm, mm, I'll be promoted. I'll travel the world. We'll have more income in the house. But is that what God wants for you? I know she'll be on your arm. He'll be on your arm. But you might not be as faithful to God. But Lord, I still have somebody. So you know how you know where God is in your life? Where you position Him. How He influences your decisions. 
And too many of us have put God at the lowest position. And you know why? Because we don't understand his power. How many of you like Norit? Norit. Nobody knows Norit? <coughs> Sorry? Yes, charcoal. How, how do you say it? Norit. Norit. You know, I discovered the power of Norit. I was sick in 2019 for a week. In fact, I had to go to the emergency room and all this other stuff, but my stomach was turning. So somebody says, you need Norit. Norit. So I took Norit. And my stomach, thank you. Huh? Not with the K, right? All right. My bad. Forgive me for murdering the word. No, Rit. Okay. But I turned to no Rit. And no Rit took away my stomach pain. And so you know where I keep no Rit? No Rit? I keep Norit where, where I can see him. Whenever I go to, to my kitchen and I open, I'm looking for spices, I, I can always see Norit. Because I know the power. I know that Norit can help me. Do you know that God can help you? You know that God is powerful? You know that he's strong? That if you keep him at the right place, you have no issue you cannot deal with in your life. But if you cannot see him, if you put him in the lowest place, he cannot help you. We should be the most powerful people in the world because we have the most powerful person backing us up. When God is by your side, cancer backs up. Disease backs up. Arguments back up. Not because you're not affected by those things, but those things do not hold you down. You're able to rise up. And I need somebody today to start rising up. To start believing that God has power. That God can help you out. You're not weak as you think you are. Call on God. <clears throat> the second thing is, not only should you position God correctly, you need to consider how you perceive God. You see, the Athenians <coughs> they they thought that God was made from human hands because in the city of Athens there were temples to Zeus and, and Athena and all the other gods so their belief was God needs us because if we do not make a temple for him, he cannot live here. So Paul says, let's change your perception. You are not perceiving God correctly. He says, God, God, everybody say God. Who made the world, including Indonesia, and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. Watch this. Does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though, watch this, he needed anything. 
since he gives to all life and breath and all things. And as Paul was making this speech, he was looking at the Parthenon. The Parthenon was the, the, the temple of Athena. And as he's making this speech, he's helping them to understand that Athena needs your hands, but God doesn't need your hands. Can I tell you an honest truth? If you drop dead today, God is not going to be worried. If you don't give your money, God is not going to go broke. If you don't offer your prayers, God is not going to be lonely. <laughs> if you don't serve him, he's still going to accomplish his plans. Listen to me. you got to start treating God like how you treat water. You are the one who is always thirsty. Water never comes looking for you. <laughs> you are the one who is looking for the aqua. You go, manaminu. Water never comes to you. You're the one who goes to the water. That's how God is like. He's like water. You are thirsty. And he is the one who, who, who you should be looking for. <laughs> because without him, you cannot live. Without him, you cannot move. Without him, you cannot think. Without him, your, your limbs don't have, don't have locomotion. I wanted to use a, a, a medical term, Dr. Regina, but it, it went out of my head. And this is what I need somebody to hear. What Paul was trying to help the Athenians to understand. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth so that they should seek, seek, seek the Lord in hope that they may grope for him and find him. Watch this. This is a beautiful part. Though, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him mm, we live, we move, and have our being. Paul says, even your own poets say this. How dare you worship idols when idols are not the ones sustaining you? But here is what I need somebody to hear me today clearly. God doesn't want to be needed. He wants to be wanted. Pastor Sam, can I hear an amen over there? God doesn't want to be needed. He wants to be wanted. You know there's a difference between being needed and being wanted. If you give me quet yao, I'll eat it. Because I'm in need, I'm hungry. But I will never ever in my own inclination go to any warung or restaurant and look for quet yao. I don't like it. I find it, the texture not nice in my mouth. And I don't mean to offend you. But if I'm hungry, oh, I'll eat me some quit yow. I'll not even think about it. In fact, I'll put it down. But once I'm full, I do not want to see quit yow. You see, when you're needed, you are needed. But once you're no longer needed, you're pushed aside. And that's how we're treating God. When we need him, he's there. When we're done with him, we don't need him anymore. But guess what? I like Indomie. I don't eat Indomie, but I like Indomie, the texture. And I will actually go into the store and buy me noodles that look like Indomie 
That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to look for him. He wants you to want him. He wants you to say, you know what, God, it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. It's, just, it's, been, it's been an hour. I haven't talked to you. Can we talk? God, I haven't, I haven't connected you for the last week. Can, 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 can we talk? God, I want to tell you about the, the promotion I have gotten. God, can we connect? I want to have a week off that I can go to, to, to some place and I can connect with you. I don't want to be with my family. I just want to be with you, God. Because when you want something, you don't need to be motivated to get it. You go for it because you want it. When you want the girl, <laughs> nobody has to convince you to text her. <laughs> In fact, you stay up late at night talking about the, the crusted uh, uh, foot, I mean, the, 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 the big toe that, that, that hurts you at night. You know, Sayang, you know. When you want the promotion, hello, 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 Baba, how are you doing? All right. Sayabantu, I mean, can I? When you want it, it shows, man. When you want it, it shows, ladies. Do you want God? Let's change our steps. We, we don't have to. God doesn't have to beg you to come to worship. It'll be within you. It'll be within your heart. And so I need somebody who says, I want God. Because listen to me. God doesn't force your hand. He woos your heart. That is why God can allow Adam to eat the fruit. That is why God can allow Lucifer to rebel in heaven. Because God doesn't force your hand. He, he wants you to say, God, I want you. I need you. I have to have you. Without you, I am nothing. I am nothing. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So you must position God correctly. You must... Perceive him correctly, but also you got to focus on how you receive God. How you receive God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to breeze through this very, very quickly. I'm going to be done. How you receive God. The Athenians, they needed to receive the truth of the resurrection. Notice what verse 23 or 33 says. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead... Some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. When you listen, when you read the passage, you will see that the resurrection is what is most important or the truth that Paul is trying to communicate to the Athenians. In verse 18, they, they look at Paul and it says, wow, he, he seems to be proclaiming a foreign religion because he preached Jesus and the resurrection. In verse 31, uh, he, he, he again says, Jesus has been given as an assurance by, by being raised from the dead. But notice their reaction to the resurrection. They mocked at it. They were not willing to commit to it. You receive God when you accept the truth about God, even if the truth about God is uncomfortable to you. 
You see, the Greeks had a, had, a, had, a, had a problem. Is that they looked at the body as evil. Brother Jeff. They said the human body is the a, is a cause of all our nonsense. So when we die, we, we transition into the immortality of the soul. So the Greeks hated the, the human body. But Paul says, no, Jesus' body was resurrected. Because it is not a hand that is evil. It is your mind that tells the hand to pick up a gun or slap somebody that is evil. Paul is trying to help the Athenians to understand that the human body is not your enemy. You can play. So they needed to receive the truth of the resurrection so that they could be they could be uh, helped and benefited because truth always benefits you lies always hurt you and you cannot receive god if you don't receive the truth Otherwise, God remains the unknown God. So what truth is God bringing to you today, talking to you about, that you need to receive? You need to embrace and accept. God has been speaking to us. Pastor Samson has been here busting his behind and sweating, preaching the truth. Telling you that you need to go all in with God. Have you gone all in with God? Some of you, the way you're operating in your, in your marriages and your relationships needs to be changed. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives and wives... Respect your husbands. That's the truth for somebody today. For some of you, the truth is, stop sleeping with your pre-spouse partner. Let's wait for marriage. For some of you, the truth is, stop spending your money and then wondering what you're going to eat at the end of the month. For some of you, you have believed the idea that you have to hustle hard. You don't sleep at night. But God is saying, take Sabbath. Don't work. Don't check your email. Just, just rest. Just, just eat it hard. Just, just rest. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you cannot embrace the truth, God is the unknown God to you. It's as simple as that. And so I came to call you today to stop being comfortable with the unknown God and, and say, you know what, man, I want to know God deeper. I want to go deeper with God. I want, I want him to, to, to be the most important thing. I, I want to embrace the truth God is telling me and live the truth. Anybody? Pastor Sam, this is the last sermon 
of this series. So I need you to pray for this. If you can come, please. Today we are praying for you to not be comfortable with the unknown God, but to position Him correctly, to perceive Him right and to receive Him, to receive the truth. And you're saying, Pastor, on this last Sabbath of the series, Becoming More, I'm embracing God. I'm going to receive the truth. Please join me in standing as we pray together. Man of God, pray for us. We want to embrace God. At the end of this word, we thank you, Father, that we've been reminded through the experience of the Apostle Paul that we ought to challenge ourselves when it comes to where we stand with the Lord. Father, I pray that we would give you the position that you deserve, King of our thrones. I pray that with the way we perceive you may be that everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope for comes from the hand of God. And Father, may we receive you today. In fact, this is not a group thing. This is an individual thing. We stand as individuals in need of God. We have become comfortable with rationalizing everything. We have become comfortable with setting you aside. But at this moment, the preacher is asking for our hand, but he's saying we should give our hearts to the Lord. And so I'm praying for somebody in the audience right now, dear God, to understand that becoming more is not about doing more. It's about coming closer to the Lord. That the closer we get to him, the better we become. That we are changed from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, Lord, with the power of the message that has been preached and the conviction of the Spirit, I pray that somebody would receive Jesus today. This is not a performance. This worship service is not entertainment. It's an opportunity for somebody to become more. More than what they've been more than the bad thing that they thought themselves to be. Sometimes, Lord, we look at ourselves as if we don't deserve. But when you look at us, you tell us that we are worthy. And so I pray for somebody who is hesitant to give their all because their hands are already full. I pray for somebody that is hesitant to open the door to their hearts because it's already occupied. I pray for somebody who's resistant to their minds being changed because their thoughts are held captive. And so I pray that all of us in this room, from the front to the back, would sincerely, sincerely know God as you should be so that we can become more. Father, I pray that your presence, your spirit, and your power may attend this decision. If you in this room believe the same, let me hear you say amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you.